Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So those of you that love oysters over the holidays, I have some sad news for you. Oysters harvested in Texas are making dozens of people sick to their stomach in Texas, Florida, and Louisiana. Health departments and public supermarkets are warning the public. So if you were thinking about, hey, let's have a holiday party at work and have some oysters, be careful. (laughs) Be careful. Both in shell and shucked that were harvested in southeastern Galveston Bay uh, from November 17th through December 7th. It's caused a few dozen cases of gastrointestinal illness in Texas, Florida, and Louisiana among those who have eaten them. Now, if you suffer from fever, nausea, diarrhea, vomiting, abdominal cramps, chills, and headache, <laughs> you have eaten some bad oysters. Now, there's no been no reports of hospitalizations because people are just staying home and being sick. However... Uh, it's unclear. We don't even know if people have reported being sick. Oh, well, we do in Louisiana. Uh, 10, and, 10 to 19 cases have been linked to the oysters being consumed at restaurants in Louisiana. Consumers who think they've purchased Texas oysters should check the packaging to see if they were harvested in Texas 1. If they were on package content, the seller, you need to find the source. So good luck. Uh, oysters from TX1 should be thrown out. <laughs> uh, be careful out there. I know, I know, I don't want to ruin your holiday party and tell you that you can't serve oysters, but you know what? You might want to think about serving something else if you were you know, in the mood for oysters harvested from Galveston Bay in Texas. I know. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Something I have never understood is a hunger strike. You're mad at something, so you're going to stop eating. Wait, what? Why? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I know it's just to me. I know. I but you know. Okay, so inmates in Nevada, at the Nevada State Prison, have engaged in one of the according to this story, lone forms of peaceful protest available to those behind bars. A hunger strike. Now, according to reports, 19 inmates at the Eli State Prison, a maximum security facility located about four hours north of Las Vegas, so you know exactly where it is, have refused all food service starting the 1st of December, claiming that they had suffered uh, under disciplinary policies that have since been abusive. The inmates have been subjected to de facto solitary confinement, excessive lockdowns, and concurrent disciplinary sanctions that impose unreasonable burdens, according to a so-called prisoner's right group known as Return Strong. Now, 
I know what you're thinking. Wait, they're in prison. So, well, you know, I know they have some rights. But the thing that amazes me about this story, it's really about the food. Uh, it's the about the food portions being served by a new food vendor, Aramark Correctional Services. And they are, you know, sure, some are object to conditions of confinement, property issues, and disciplinary sanctions. But mostly it's about the food. Now, Aramark got in big trouble in Michigan a few years back for the same kind of thing. And Michigan, you know, kicked them out a year early. So, you know, that's just a side note. One of my favorite things about this is that we're not really sure how many are participating in the hunger strike. Why? Well, some decided that they were going to eat and then go back on the hunger strike. That's not what it's supposed to do. <laughs> That's not how it works. If you go on a hunger strike, you're supposed to go on a hunger strike. Stop eating until you get what you want. But they don't know. They said the number could have dwindled. It started off to about 40 and then it dwindled down to, you know, 24 and they're not really sure how many are participating and how many are not because some, like I said, well, they consume food on certain days when they got hungry. And then they went back on their hunger strike after that. So according to the Nevada Department of Corrections, they are continuing to provide food to all striking inmates on a daily basis and that it is working to resolve the matter. Now, the Nevada Department of Corrections has a new boss because uh, the old boss stepped down. Remember after the guy, the murderer broke out and uh, escaped from the facility? Yeah, that was that facility. Now he was ultimately reapprehended and returned to prison. But the guy in charge of the prison system stepped down after, I guess it was his fault. Somebody had to take the heat for a prisoner breaking out of prison. And it's your fault. Okay, all right. But I'm just, <laughs> good luck. To all the prisoners at the Nevada Department of Corrections there in Eli. What's the name of the stupid prison again? Yeah, Eli State Prison, the maximum security facility. So, I don't know. good luck. I hope it all works out for you. So, something you don't hear about often is robberies in North Korea. You just don't hear about them. I mean, they don't have a, a, it's gone dark. It's a dark country. Uh, you know, we very rarely get news out of there. But this story is about an armored vehicle carrying 200 kilograms of gold robbed after it was stopped on a North Korean highway in mid-November. It's been a month ago now. We're just hearing about it now. So, okay, uh, there's gold robbery going on in North Korea. That's pretty astounding. So the robbery occurred as the vehicle was destined for the capital. Hello, Pyongyang. Uh, on the National Highway 1. Uh, you know, I mean, it's Kim Jong's gold. That's just the way the country works. So after the robbery, a manhunt of the robbers ensued. Uh, really? But uh, they don't have any idea who they were. Due to the way the bandits were able to overpower the armed guards, it seems that they received special military training. So North Korean authorities have subsequently put all special forces veterans <laughs> on a list of suspects and interrogated each about their whereabouts on the day of the incident. I'm sure that they're just, you know, we, we think you're guilty, dead. So where's our gold? So they still don't know uh, the whereabouts of the robbers or the gold, okay, according to this story. 
And so according to this, the gold really isn't worth anything until it gets smuggled into China. And then China, you know, can sell the gold on the black market. All right. So, you know, I guess there's been other robberies. I mean, we know about uh, gold being smuggled into China, right? Uh, The country has issued leaflets requesting the public provide information on people possessing gold and inquiring about gold smuggling networks. Uh Uh-huh. Do you know about it? No. Yeah, we think you do. Dead. So so apparently, uh, North Korea produces between two to four tons of gold annually. Wow. So most of which is sent to something called Office 39 of the Workers' Party. Office 39 is directly under Kim Jong-un, like everything else really in the country. Uh, According to a defector uh, from North Korea who claims to have worked in Office 39, is that that office was created to source foreign currency for the leaders. Uh, It's called the Revolutionary Fund, according to the defector. We exported whatever we could, gold, jewelry, farming goods, everything uh, we sold to get money for him. So according to this, gold could be smuggled into China and be sold on the international market under the name of Chinese gold. And it's not difficult to circumvent the UN sanctions. No, what? It's not difficult to circumvent UN sanctions? Get out of here. And the Chinese Communist Party played a central role in the process. Yeah, no kidding. Which would lead one to believe that perhaps they had something to do with the robberies. Or at least were aware of the people who were smuggling them. uh, You know, after robbing the gold and smuggling it into the country. Gotta be a huge pipeline from China. But good luck to uh, Kim Jong-un for, uh, you know, trying to figure that one out. (laughs) I mean, if the country is creating tons of gold every year, think of the money that Dingleberry has. Wow. And think of how poor the people are. Wow. That's just, it's really sad. It's really sad. But, hey, good luck, God bless to everyone in North Korea. All right, let's go to the break room. (laughs) I need something cold to drink desperately. (sighs) You know, I like knowing exactly where my meat comes from. And with Moink, that place is from small family farms all across the country. From small family farms to your dining table. Moink gives you access to the freshest, sustainably sourced meat and fish, all while supporting American family farms. You can help save the family farm and get access to the highest quality meat on earth when you join the Moink movement today. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did. And as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent too. You choose the meat delivered in every box. 
like ribeyes, chicken breasts, and pork chops, and salmon fillets, and so much more. Plus, you can cancel at any time. I am such a fan of Moink Meat. I love the whole idea of ordering it and having it delivered straight to my door and then unpacking it and seeing what you got. Now, I know that uh, Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted. Uh, I agree, or he agrees with me. I'm not sure how that works. Uh, We'll just say that I agree with him because it is so good. Here, I want you to listen to something. Oh my gosh. That is Moink Bacon Cooking. Oh. Not only does it sound good, it tastes as good or better than you think it's going to taste. It is incredible. Incredible, And I know that uh, Ring Doorbell founder Jamie Simonoff jumped at the chance to invest in Moink. <sighs> the good thing about Moink is they have a guarantee. And you're going to laugh and think, no way can they guarantee that. But you're going to say it. They guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got Moinked. And I'm telling you, when you open up that box of moink meat, when it gets delivered to your home and you bring it in the kitchen and you set it on the counter and you open it up and you start looking at the goodness of those ribeyes, chicken breasts, pork chops, bacon, you're going to say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Uh, they guarantee it. So, I mean, you have to say it. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash jeffy right now. Listeners to this show get a free filet mignon in every order for a year. That's one year of the best filet mignon you'll ever taste, but for a limited time. So go to moinkbox.com slash jeffy right now. M-O-I-N-K box.com slash jeffy moinkbox.com slash jeffy i don't know if you're a facebook friend or (laughs) subscriber to the detroit symphony orchestra but if you are then you already know this story and you probably were there on friday night but according to the detroit symphony orchestra uh, racism and bigotry have no place in orchestra hall and, uh, behavior, uh, like this is unacceptable. Well, what behavior you ask? Well, uh, someone, someone shouted a racial slur during the Detroit Symphony Orchestra concert Friday night. I know they are deeply disappointed by the incident. Uh, so am I. So am I. And their statement reads on. Live music is a profoundly human experience that taps into our emotions and provides us all with a sacred space for listening. We apologize that this space was violated, as well you should, Detroit Symphony Orchestra, because nothing, nothing screams racism like a Charlie Brown Christmas, Cyrus Chestnut and Friends performance at the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. (laughs) I mean, okay. Do I believe it? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. They didn't reveal what the audience members said. 
I don't even know if they know who said it. They claim that they're investigating and plans to permanently ban the person from attending its concerts. Okay, uh, I'd like to know what I'd like to know what the racist slur. I'm sorry, the racial slur is because uh, I, I just would like to know. Please, I just would like dear Detroit. I'm gonna have to actually follow their stupid Facebook page now. <laughs> what is their stupid facebook page is it just the detroit symphony orchestra detroit symphony orchestra yeah okay uh let's see yeah yeah we live music and friendly human our audiences we appreciate our audiences so much and hope to see you back at orchestra hall soon uh, was something I've waited for my whole life for. In a brief moment, it also contained one of the most appalling and disgusting public incidents I've ever witnessed. Oh, so hold on. Do we have actual video of this? No, we do not. This is just uh, someone who went there, uh, Matt Totsky. Uh, last night, I attended a truly amazing concert in many ways. It was something I've waited for my whole life to see. Really? Unfortunately, for a brief moment, it also contained one of the most appalling and disgusting public incidents I've ever witnessed firsthand. It was shocking and disturbing when it happened. The crowd let out a collective gasp. The band paused for about half a second and then carried on and continued to take us on a magical musical journey. When they finished, they received a standing ovation, and because they were classy professionals, they carried on with the rest of the performance like nothing had happened. Thank you for that, Cyrus Chestnut and friends. No matter where we go in the world, music is the one language that has the power to connect us and bring us together. But last night, as I was experiencing music I truly loved in one of the most beautiful venues in the city, I felt violated. And even though Cyrus Chestnut and friends responded in the best way they could, I still felt sad and had a pit in my stomach for the rest of the evening. I felt embarrassed to be a human being. It's nearly 2023, and you'd think we could be beyond this racist BS by now. But as recent history has shown us, we still have a long way to go. We will ever, or I'm sorry, will we ever get there? And then he has a 40 seconds of music, which sounded fine. It sounded great. They sounded wonderful, but there's no, no actual proof that this actually happened. Although I believe that it happened. I just want to know what it was that has a collective gasp from the audience. What, what, would you, what are you going to holler out at a, at a symphony orchestra? <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand. And if I, I don't understand. Uh, maybe I should just leave it there. I don't understand. I have followed and liked the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, though, on my Facebook page. So if and when I ever go there uh, on my Facebook page, <laughs> I'll see if they comment and let me know what was actually said. <laughs> I don't know. You can follow me on Facebook. Jeff Fisher Radio is my page. And, uh, you know. You never know. You never know. I might shout out something. Not anything like that, though. Then in Milwaukee, we had to uh, evacuate the uh, concert hall that Patti LaBelle was performing in or had just started performing. She walked out on stage and they were like, hey, uh, I love the the video of this. She's just saying hello. Hey, how you doing? Oh, here comes the security. Uh, we gotta go. Wait. Oh, no, no, no. We're gone. And off she goes. They put down her mic. And the band is already running off the stage. They are rushing her off the stage to get out of there. Now, they evacuated the entire building. And they, I guess, evacuated uh, evacuated the, some of the area of this 100-block uh, of West Wisconsin. 
and all patrons were safely evacuated. And so, according to the police, the investigation is fluid and ongoing. Now, that was, you know, that was a couple of days ago. For those of you listening live, today is the 12th of December, 2022. Wow. 12th of December, 2022. As of today, I mean, 13 days until Christmas. Anyway, uh, there's been no explosion. I'd like to know, I mean, what was the, what was the fluid event? How did we, I mean, that's gotta be a huge call, right? To evacuate a venue where a live concert is going on and evacuate surrounding areas. You have to believe that it is for real. So, I mean, I don't know if they found a bomb and they defused it or if there was never a bomb or if we're still looking for a bomb right now. I have not heard any news reports of that area in Milwaukee being bombed. I have not heard that area being exploded. So I'm guessing that it was hopefully diffused by the police department or there was no bomb, but you know, we don't know. And they had to be, (laughs) had to be an awful serious threat to evacuate venues like that. Just amazing. As long as we're talking about music too, I see where the story talked about this British band slaves. Uh, and you, I mean, who doesn't love the UK punk rock duo, which consists of frontman uh, Laurie Vincent and drummer, Isaac Holman. Uh, they've performed under the name slaves since forming the band in 2012. But, now, uh, they've been on hiatus for about three or four years. They've issued a statement that their return, uh, but said that before that, we want to address something important. When we called our band Slaves, it was intended solely as a reference to the grind of day-to-day life. The two wrote in a post on their new official Instagram page, As younger men, we responded to criticism of the name from a place of fear and defensiveness. Feeling backed into a corner, our own pride caused us to fight for a name we weren't even sure we wanted anymore. It felt at times as if our band name had defined us and we were scared of what might happen if we changed it. However, we now recognize that our original intent doesn't change the fact that the name, Slaves, is an issue. Okay, so they're not going to be called Slaves any longer. They're they're changing their name. You know, people may have differing opinions. (laughs) Really? Really? Yes. The name doesn't represent who we are as people or what our music stands for any longer. We want to sincerely apologize to anyone we've offended. All that is so special. What are you guys going to call yourself now? Soft Play Band. Oh... That's a good call (laughs) to go from slaves to soft play band. Did you stop doing the drugs you were on? Did, or have you started doing other drugs? I don't know. I mean, I remember the duo's debut debut album. I'm sure you do too. Uh, 2015. Are you satisfied? Reached number eight on the UK albums chart nominated for a Mercury music prize. Their follow-up albums, 2016, Take Control and Act of Fear and Love, both entered the top 10 on the UK charts. There you go. So, I mean, that's good for them. They don't know what the future holds. I can take a guess what their future holds just off the top of my head. I I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But uh, 
he's one of the band members, Vincent, said someone once wrote on our Facebook wall, nobody but African Americans have a right to use the word slaves. Obviously, lots of words have two meanings. If you said, I feel like a slave at work or I'm a slave to the routine, that's not being disrespectful to the slave trade. I believe in today's world it is, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, that's why you're changing your stupid name. You have to use words or you're just going to be scared of everything. We live in a society already where people are terrified of the way they act being interrupted or it's just getting harder. What? Okay, so here's what you do. You stop doing whatever drugs you're doing now and go back to what you were using before. Because soft play band, uh, it's not going to work for you. Good luck, though. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So who died today? Who died today? Well, we know that Dorothy Pittman Hughes, a pioneering black feminist, child welfare advocate, and lifelong community activist who toured the country speaking with Gloria Steinem in the 70s, has died at the age of 84. She died in Tampa, Florida. We know that Paul Silas, three-time NBA champion, longtime coach, dead at the age of 79 degrees 79 degrees no <laughs> sorry paul uh you are not 79 degrees in fact right now i'm not sure what your body temperature is it most certainly is not 79 but your age was 79 and we had a couple of people who just i don't know passed away uh you know over there and uh, at the world cup we had uh, Grant Wall, 48, uh, had a little cold, dead at the age of 48. We had a photojournalist, Khalid Al-Mislam, uh, dead uh, on Sunday. Just passed away. Eh, you know, he's just dead. Huh. So weird that these people are just dropping over like this. It's so weird. And they, I looked for his age, uh, Khalid Al-Mislam, and uh, nowhere does it say how old he was. So I'm not real sure. He looks probably about the same age as Grant Wall. You know, he's probably in his late 30s to mid 40s, something like that. Then Mike Leach, head coach of Mississippi State, uh, reportedly in critical medical situation. I know they said uh, last night that he had a personal health issue at his home. Now, I guess we're back to following hippo laws already. But, uh, you know, apparently he had a really bad heart attack. Uh, and he went untreated for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, and now he is in serious condition in the hospital. He had said that he was fighting pneumonia off and on throughout the season, but he felt pretty good. Huh. Huh. Don't, don't look at me like that when I'm telling you about all these people that are dying or really, really sick. 
that are definitely part of a world that is, you know, uh, that we're forced to be treated for things uh, in the past year and a half to two years. Huh. Really, really weird. Oh, and something else coming from uh, from the World Cup. Uh, apparently, we need to be concerned with camel flu. I know. Don't look at me. Uh, they're saying we need to we need to be worried about it. They uh, they they say camel flu kills up to a third of everyone it strikes. And so we've got plenty of people from all around the world that have just been to Qatar and are flying back to their home countries. And, you know, is it possible that they have camel flu? Sure. (laughs) Come on now. Symptoms of the respiratory illness include a fever, coughing, and vomiting. 2,600 sufferers have been recorded since the disease was identified in 2012. Okay, so they're saying England fans who enjoyed camel rides in Qatar may be at risk for acquiring it. So be advised, if you're returning from Qatar, you could have camel flu, which could be a potentially lethal respiratory illness. Don't forget, fever, coughing, vomiting. So if you think that you have come in contact with anyone that has been to Qatar that could possibly have contracted camel flu. Uh, man, get yourself uh, looked at. I don't know if there's anything you can do about it. I don't know if there's a camel flu vaccine that uh, will help you out. Yeah, no, there is not. Uh, there's no specific treatment for the illness. So doctors work to ease a patient's symptoms. Uh, oh, man. Oh, no. So, I don't know what to tell you. The Middle East Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus, M-E-R-S, MERS, also known as camel flu, is rare but severe respiratory illness. So, be careful out there. Get yourself over the hump. (laughs) See what I did there? Hump, camel. Yeah, you got it. Again, though, if you've come in close contact with an infected person, you could have MERS or camel flu. And you could have acquired it from a close contact with camels or from consuming camels products like unpasteurized camel milk. So just be careful out there for those of you that are out there drinking that unpasteurized camel milk. Uh, You could get sick. You could get MERS or camel flu. And I don't want that for you. Okay, I just, I just, I don't, I don't want it for you or me. Speaking of travel, if you are in Orlando or I guess in the area, uh, you may be stuck for a while because apparently Orlando International Airport has been projected to be out of fuel. Supposed to be out of fuel by uh, starting Sunday night. They're not even going to get new fuel until Tuesday afternoon. I guess there's been a delay in the vessel delivery problem. So if you're flying out of Orlando, I mean, good. And that means that they are not out of fuel. But if they are out of fuel, welcome to the new America. That's just the way it is. Uh, You go to the airport, there's planes sitting there. Yeah, we're out of gas. Sorry, we don't know where we're going to fly in other places. It costs more to run fuel. They're looking at, uh, you know, they're saying that they could 
load up other planes and fly into Orlando and fly out of there without refueling, but it costs takes more fuel to do that than it does. It's just really strange. And so it's going to interrupt airline schedules. We'll see how they come around it and work around it. I'm sure they've got plenty of workarounds, but there will be disruptions. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, that is awesome. And then I see where American Airlines and their pilots and their pilots unions uh, are talking about the pilots just aren't happy. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, it seems as though that the occasional airline employee may have taken advantage of the freedom that they get while going through TSA. And so TSA is now performing secondary screenings on these pilots more often than they were in the past. It's not unusual for a pilot to be randomly screened six or seven consecutive times. You bastards! The rate of these screenings has increased to the point where expeditious screening uh, has been replaced by unpredictable and in some cases lengthy delays. So I recommend, according to their union guide now, he recommends that uh, he wants the pilots to go through standard passenger entry points for security screening when beginning or connecting on their sequences. Okay. And please do not jump in front of passengers who may also be harried and late due to the unpredictable nature of the TSA checkpoints. Wow. So even if, I mean, if you were in line uh, at the TSA and a pilot were, were showed up behind you would you let him him or her i don't know this could be it could be a her uh, would you let that pilot go in front of you i would uh i would dude what are you doing in this line uh my i want my flight to take off go ahead <laughs> and if he were to say no i'd be pissed what do you mean no you better not be the pilot of my flight i don't want you to be late bruh we're already behind schedule <laughs> So according to this, I mean, we're pilots, uh, all the airlines are exerting pressure on their bosses. Delta pilots, for example, recently threatened to strike if they didn't get a new contract. Yeah. American on Island, American airlines pilots, uh, say they'll lead to, uh, this will lead to a swift resolution. Okay. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they're able to go through their checkpoints without being stopped. I mean, there is a way, you know, it's called, what's the word I'm looking for? What's the word? Oh, I know profile. Uh, could we just profile, uh, maybe at the TSA checkpoints so that, I mean, there's an American airlines pilot. There's pilots for all the airlines at a particular airport going through the, uh, crew member screening system, which is you have a special pass and you go through and once in a while you get checked, but the thing is, is that what should be getting checked is the profile, the profile of the possibility that, you know, that person is acting like there could be a problem. Let's check them. But heaven forbid, heaven forbid we profile. I wouldn't want that to happen. Let's just slow down the whole damn thing. It's incredible. <laughs> Coming to a country that you live in soon. If you live in Canada, it's already here. A lawsuit has been filed in Canada by parents who say their kids are addicted to the video game 
fortnight. A Canadian Supreme Court judge authorized the filing by Quebec parents against Fortnite's manufacturer, Epic Games. Of course, uh, parents say their kids are so addicted that they don't care. They don't care for of regular everyday hygiene, such as showering. Some kids are so dependent on Fortnite they've stopped eating and sleeping. <laughs> The court concludes that there is a serious issue to be argued, supported by sufficient and specific allegations as to the existence of risks or even dangers arising from the use of Fortnite. An attorney from the firm that brought the suit equated the games maker Epic Games to a tobacco manufacturer in an interview and said the legal responsibility was basically the same. Uh, you know, good luck with that argument. Uh, you know, good luck. I hope, you know, you may some side of settlement with Epic Games for millions and everybody uh, gets a couple of bucks and you get a few million. Let's see. Uh, I have a hard time with this because uh, I kind of feel like here's your you're the parent and why don't you just shut the game off and tell the kid no uh, how about no and that's exactly uh, you know they plan to fight it in court of course uh, we believe the evidence will show that this case is meritless yeah they also can as of right now receive playtime reports that track the amount of time their child plays each week requires parental uh, permission before purchases are made i mean they've done all this and it's still up to the parent <laughs> okay it's still up to the parent it's not the game i kind of feel that way about cigarettes too but uh, that fight has been lost a long time ago so anyway, uh, coming to a country near you soon. And if you live, you know, in Canada, like I said, it's already here. So don't worry about you raising your children. Okay. You can blame the issues that they have on something else. Good luck. Good luck. Oh no. Oh no. Sad news. Uh, Southern California's most famous mountain lion, P-22. You thought I was going to tell you it was dead, didn't you? I didn't put it in who died today because it's not dead. It's going to be captured and it's going to be given a health examination after he killed a dog that was being walked in Hollywood Hills. We can't have that. We cannot have that. P-22 is a remarkably old cat and in the wild and after being deemed responsible for killing a leashed pet last month... <laughs> <laughs> they say it may be exhibiting signs of distress. No, it's exhibiting signs of, hey, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat that dog. And apparently the dog was a chihuahua. All right. So he ate a chihuahua and then he thought, you know, those aren't bad. Uh, those aren't bad at all. I usually, you know, I try to eat deer, coyotes, but those little chihuahuas aren't bad. There's a good little snack. <laughs> so uh, P-22 is also suspected of attacking another chihuahua. And this is what got him in trouble. And the owner kicked and punched him until the cougar released the dog. And then I guess the dog just needs some kind of stitches. So he only got just a little taste of the chihuahua that time. So P-22, I guess, is uh, looking to get in trouble now. We're going to capture him. He's got a collar on him, so they know where he is. I don't know, you know, they could, I, if they must know that he was in this neighborhood uh, attacking the little chihuahuas. 
So I'm guessing that this is a climate change issue. Uh, there's no more food uh, for this uh, P-22 mountain lion to eat. So that means he's in distress and he's eating pets. Well, they're not pets to him. They're just another animal and he's hungry. So, uh, and he's getting old. So apparently this P-22 is believed to be about 12 years old. And it says making him the oldest Southern California cougar. So I'm saying that it's a male. All right. I don't know that to be sure. I don't know what he identifies at. Could be a trans cougar. I don't know. But uh, they want to find out why the recent change in his behavior. So um, my point is that maybe he's just like, hey, uh, the chihuahua that I had tasted pretty good. And it tasted a lot better than that nasty old coyote that I usually eat. So, hey, there's another chihuahua. I'm going to eat that one. Yum, yum. But, no, humans first. And so the chihuahuas are our pets. And so back off. Go back to your coyotes. Okay, P22. What a dumb name. All right, I'll leave you with a dumb joke that was sent to me over the weekend. And I don't know why. It's just dumb and I've been thinking about it all weekend. So... I'll share it with you and you can think about it, okay? So it's a kind of a redneck hunting hillbilly joke and uh, goes with the, with the mountain lion. All right, here we go. Uh, a hillbilly went hunting one day in West Virginia and bagged three ducks. He put them in the bed of his pickup truck and was about to drive home where he was confronted by an ornery game warden who didn't like hillbillies. The game warden ordered the hillbilly to show his hunting license, and the hillbilly pulled out a valid West Virginia hunting license. The game warden looked at the license, then reached over and picked up one of the ducks, sniffed its butt, and said, This duck ain't from West Virginia. This is a Kentucky duck. You got a Kentucky hunting license, boy? The hillbilly reached into his wallet and produced a Kentucky hunting license. The game warden looked at it, then reached over and grabbed the second duck, sniffed its butt, and said, This ain't no Kentucky duck. This duck's from Tennessee. You got a Tennessee license? The hillbilly reached into his wallet and produced a Tennessee license. The warden then reached over and picked up a third duck, sniffed its butt, and said, This ain't no Tennessee duck. This here duck's from Virginia. You got a Virginia hunting license? Again, the hillbilly reached into his wallet and brought out a Virginia hunting license. The game warden was extremely frustrated, getting mad at this point, and he yelled at the hillbilly, Just where the hell are you from? The hillbilly turned around, dropped his pants, bent over, and said, you tell me. You're the expert. <laughs> it's going to stay with you. All I'm saying, you're welcome. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.